Looks like our fears have been confirmed. Miami's top wide receiver. I don't think we're going to see him against Texas A&M. So who needs to step up? You are locked on Canes. Your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. One day away, my friends. One day from Texas A&M. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet, and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, unfortunately, uh, we talked about the reports and the rumors yesterday. Seemingly has been confirmed. Xavier Restrepo. Don't think we're going to see him Saturday against Texas A&M. A Miami Herald report, courtesy of Susan Miller-Degnan, and others are reporting this. Restrepo has a foot injury, could be out for several weeks. First thing, guys, and the most important thing, we wish this young man the best, right? This is someone who is chasing his dreams, living his dream, playing big-time college football at a high level. And if he is indeed going to be out for a while here, um, it's tough, man. It's really, really tough. Anytime we talk about guys in recent years who have had serious injuries, Don Chaney, we've talked about it, and he's got another issue he's dealing with, all that Al Blades Jr. has been through. Now we see Xavier going through a tough time. We wish you the best, and we wish you a speedy recovery. Uh, from a football standpoint, yeah, Restrepo's going to be missed, guys, a lot, okay? So far this season, 11 of Tyler Van Dyke's 33 completions have gone to Restrepo, 33%. I was not a math major, but I figured that out still. 12 targets out of 45 Tyler Van Dyke passing attempts, that's 27%. I had some help with that one have gone to Xavier Restrepo. Credit to Jake Marcus for that stat, by the way. 12 targets out of 45. Xavier Restrepo has been the go-to guy, so you know what this means. Next man up. This is going to provide a huge opportunity, not only for Brashard Smith, who's the one who's going to be taking his place in the starting lineup, but really for the entire wide receiver core to step up and contribute because Tyler Van Dyke clearly... TVD has felt most comfortable to this point targeting X. So now Tyler is going to be forced to spread the football around even more. So it's not only up to Brashard to fill that void in the slot, but it's definitely up to Keyshawn Smith. I'm not forgetting about Jacoby George, who's coming back from suspension this week. Michael Redding, who's had a nice start to the year. Romello Brinson. We want to see more, more, more awesome stuff from Romello. Uh, can my guy Colby Young get into the action? Like, there's so many opportunities here. So let's sort this all out. Very, very good friend of the show. We love when he joins us on Fridays. Uh, contributor to allhurricanes.com, much like myself. This guy works a lot harder than I do. Luke Cheney joins us. Luke, how you doing, sir? Good, man. How's it going? It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be back on. It's a pleasure having you. So, okay, like first, before we talk about who needs to fill that void, let's talk about that void, Luke, because, I mean, your your takeaways so far on Xavier Restrepo and just how big he's been for this offense. It's a loss. Um, it's 
definitely complicates things heading into Texas A&M. Um, Restrepo and Tyler Van Dyke obviously have a, a very great chemistry. They're, they're roommates, um, and that kind of off-field chemistry that they have is just friends really carries onto the field. Um, Restrepo is, is the security blanket for Van Dyke. He was the player that, at least for the first two games of the season, Van Dyke really turned to um, – in the passing game, as you mentioned, 33% of his completions went to Restrepo. Uh, it's just a testament to the bond they have in the field and the bond and a bond that likely won't be there for several weeks. So it leaves a void um, and it leaves a lack of production in that receiving room because there's not a lot of it, um, you know, from the players that you mentioned, but it definitely provides an opportunity for you know, Keyshawn Smith, Jacoby George, Romello Brinson, uh, Rashard Smith, these type of guys to, you know, really step up and to prove themselves in Rashard's absence. And the, the timing, obviously, is very unfortunate. Uh, just a couple days before Miami heads into College Station to face Texas A&M, which is, you know, I, I don't care what happened to them last week. This is not going to be an easy game. And there's a reason why Miami are underdogs in this game because of that talent on the field. Uh, a couple of cool comments here we got from from youtube and listen our viewers and our listeners i love you guys so much like so many of you first of all a lot of you are very very smart when it comes to football and miami history and all that but i love the positivity that a lot of you bring we got a great comment from willie on our youtube channel he says richard is to restrepo what garcia is to tyler van dyke i don't expect much of a drop off i like that and another great comment from gary who says we will be all right when De'Eric King got hurt, that's how we discovered Tyler Van Dyke. So, okay, Luke, let's talk about the opportunities. First, hear from Brashard Smith. You know, hopefully he and Tyler Van Dyke can develop or reinforce that chemistry really quickly because I agree with what Willie said. Like, Brashard Smith is, uh, you know, I, I think he can be every bit the player that Xavier Restrepo is. Yeah, Bouchard, Bouchard Smith and Xavier Restrepo are different players and what they can and cannot do. Uh, Restrepo is a higher floor, higher floor player, uh, more consistent production. You know what you're going to get from him. Very solid route runner, um, does all the little things right. Very Braxton Berrios-like uh, yeah. in the way that, that Rochevo plays. With Brashard Smith, you get a different skill set. While they both you know, play in the slot, they both line up at similar positions, Brashard is someone that can impact the game in more ways than just those routes that Restrepo ran. This isn't a slight Xavier at all. He's Miami's best and most consistent receiver. But with Brashard, you have some versatility there. You can use him in the run game. You can use him out wide. We even saw against Southern Miss, he had that great jump, jump ball on that, I think it was a third down pass from Van Dyke. That was like 25, 30 yards downfield. He's talented. He is very, very, very talented. And he kind of had that coming out game last week against Southern Miss. Um, you know, when Restrepo was off the field, Brashard really came into this, uh, that slot role and just stepped up. So we'll see what happens. Um, you know, one thing that was a problem with Brashard Smith heading into, more so heading into the springs this fall, were some drop concerns with him. But I think that was really leveled off. I didn't really notice many drops, in, if, if any, in, in fall. And we haven't seen that at all, you know, so far through the season. Uh, it, it will provide an opportunity for him. You know, Rashard Smith will get a majority of those uh, those reps in the slot. I expect him to start. Um, and, 
you know, he very well could make the most of it because he is a very, very talented player. You know, Miami for the past couple of weeks have been without Jacoby George, who uh, didn't have a whole lot of catches last year, but he averaged 26.2 yards per catch last season. So this guy can be a deep ball threat, a big play threat. Um, you know, won't be an easy matchup because one of the strengths of Texas A&M is their defensive backfield. So just for any of Miami's receivers, creating separation won't be easy. But Jacoby George, I'd figure, Luke, he's got to be real hungry. Like, do, do you expect him to get a lot of burn, like zero to 60 from being suspended to being like a 30-40 snap guy? Or do you think maybe they'll use him sparingly? I think that's... If you were to ask me that before the news about Restructo, I probably would have said more sparingly. But I think with that news in mind, I think it calls for more desperation. Um, yeah. You know, someone's got to fill that void. And uh, while I mentioned Rashard Smith, well, there's got to be other guys who, who do so. Um, Jacoby George is my favorite receiver on the team. He has the highest ceiling. I've, I've mentioned that time and time again before. Um, how he was that potential number one guy in spring and in fall. Um, it's uncommon for, you know, a player or at least a non-proven player who was suspended to just, you know, go, go into the starting lineup and just immediately start performing. Um, so I don't think we'll necessarily see Jacoby as a starter, especially when the staff has really liked what they've seen from Michael Redding, who's really stepped up in his place. But, you know, with the news about Restrepo being hurt, um, and with the talent in AM's backfield and defensive backfield, uh, just kind of talk, talk about them real quick. Um, a lot of press coverage. They man up. Miami will have to create separation. Yeah. They're, they're going to have to create separation. Just a couple guys to mention uh, freshman Denver Harris, uh, sophomore Tyreek uh, Chappelle. Chappelle was a all ace or all SEC um, freshman player last year. Super talented guy. And then obviously their defensive backfield capped off by Antonio Johnson, All-American player last year. There's a lot of talent there. And I'm sure that they're going to recognize that, you know, hey, Miami's receivers and Miami's outside receivers haven't looked great so far, especially when creating separation, when creating, you know, the those routes on their own. Um, so having someone like Jacoby George, someone who is a very fluid route runner, someone who can create separation uh, and having him perform and play up to his, you know, to his level uh, is going to be huge for mine. So it's, I guess uh, in a long way of answering what should be a much shorter question. Uh, yes, I, I do expect Jacoby George to play. Uh, I don't think it will be a starter, but I do expect him to play a lot of reps. I do expect him to play well. Yeah, and, and I wanted to specifically talk about wide receivers first, but I, I know that there's people listening to this right now, like screaming, like, what about the tight ends? What about the running backs catching balls? Oh, absolutely. I think that that's got to be a big part of the game plan. And, uh, you know, Miami's tight end room so far has been a little bit disappointing with the production in the passing game. I mean, Will Mallory didn't have a single catch last week. There was just one catch for five yards out of the entire position group last week. That was Elijah Arroyo for five. Um, and yeah, listen, we know catching balls out of the backfield. We've already seen Henry Parrish do a lot of that. And I, I hope this can be a rooster game because when it comes to him catching passes out of the backfield, that guy can potentially take it to the house if he could find a little bit of space. So do you think now uh, even more so with Restrepo out that the tight ends and running backs have to be relied on even more in the passing game? They're going to have to, man, um, especially the tight ends, because 
I think we will see some of the, the receiving production from the running backs take a little bit of a hit just because, you know, on these passing downs and on third downs, I expect Miami to kind of contain these running backs and kind of use them more uh, in pass protection, which is why I think we'll see a lot of that Franklin on um, on Saturday and for that reason, because he is Miami's best pass protector as a running back. Um, but yeah, the Titans need to get more involved uh, in, in multiple ways. I mean, we see a lot of two tight end sets. We see a lot of 12 personnel. Uh, I mean, we see these tight ends, especially Will Mallory being used in, you know, a multitude of different ways. Uh, Mallory's used as an inline tight end, as a slot, uh, as sometimes on the outside. Um, they're going to need to get these tight ends involved. And I, I think they will um, just because something that I noticed against uh, Appalachian State that the Mountaineers did very well uh, and I think it's a way to attack Texas A&M is that they're a little bit undisciplined on, on the on the defense side of the football, a little dis undisciplined in that, you know, some of these play action rollouts, you know, maybe motioning the tight end pre snap, post snap, um, on these little you know flat routes, have them you know uh, run up field, get those yards after catch, uh, because like I said, the linebackers they tend to bite on those play actions. So that's one way to get the tight ends involved. And I think they will, just because, you know, with the void of Restrepo, not only will, as you mentioned, will the receivers have to step up, but the tight ends will have to as well. And I think they will. I think that Gaddis will really try to get the tight ends involved on Saturday. You know, when we come back, we're going to talk about the Texas A&M quarterback situation because reports say they're going to be making a change. So how could this help and how could this hurt Miami? Because if they're going from Haynes King to Max Johnson, very, very different types of quarterbacks. I guess it's just another thing for Kevin Steele uh, to think about here. We'll also have some keys to the game when we come back. Guys, betonline.net your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this year find all the latest football league developments game matchups news and podcasts including this year's games uh week three coming up including miami's game miami uh six point underdogs now bet online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering info including live betting esports and scores the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events including major league baseball mma boxing and golf Head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. Available free wherever you get your podcast. Part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. So uh, reports, Luke, and this seems like the right move to me. Uh, that Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher could be making a starting quarterback change from Haynes King, who's been bad the first two games to LSU transfer Max Johnson who I think is Mark Rick's nephew I know there's some kind of a a, re a blood uh, relative uh, situation there between a, a former Miami head coach and this quarterback Max Johnson uh, and so okay this you know Kevin Steele did say it this week that it whatever quarterback plays or whatever combination of quarterbacks plays doesn't really change their preparation because Jimbo Fisher's offense is his offense. It hasn't changed in decades, a few nuances here and there. So uh, I don't think necessarily they're having headaches in the film room about this, but it, it's definitely going to be a different look because the way I see it, Luke is, you know, Haynes King really been struggling, struggling as a passer, but we've seen uh mobile quick quarterbacks hurt Miami in the past. Uh, Haynes King is fast. He's a risk to break contain, make you pay max Johnson. He's, he's a statue. 
right? I mean, I think he's a better passer than Haynes King, but he's a statue. So uh, I don't know. Do you see this? How worried are you for Miami? Do you think this change is going to be a big help or not that big of a help for Texas A&M? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head when, you know, evaluating both players. Uh, it's kind of funny last night. So uh, I also want to give a quick shout out just because the, the publication that broke the, uh, the news about Johnson, the battalion, student-run newspaper. So that's oh. point, a point for student media there. You know, good for them. Uh, yeah, there we go. Um, but, yeah, Max Johnson does have a much different skill set than Haynes King. Uh, I, I was doing some, uh, some last-minute prep last night when I heard this news. Uh, I was able to find some film on Johnson. And he does a lot of the things well that King – fails to do well um some things i like about johnson uh she has a strong arm he doesn't have a rock he doesn't doesn't have a cannon he doesn't have like a justin herbert josh allen type arm but he has a strong enough arm for it to be considered a strength he shows some really nice zip especially while throwing down the middle of the field uh he makes quick confident reads he can throw a little bit off platform just given his arm talents a uh, very quick release and he is a lefty so there are some differences there, you know, when, oh, yeah, that's when, right. When game planning against him, uh, but his weaknesses does, or all of his weaknesses do kind of stem for, towards his, you know, lack of mobility. Um, he is six, five. He's more of a prototypical pro style, stand the pocket, you know, navigate uh, your defense. He's more of a surgical guy, but he's not going to make plays outside the pocket. And, one thing that I noticed is that when the rush is able to get to him and when, you know, the, his pocket starts to collapse, his mechanics, especially his lower base, really starts to uh, to buckle down a little bit. He tends to get a little frazzled. His um, awareness, you know, when there's pressure from the weak side, um, when there's that backside pressure, is non-existent at times um which i mean creates opportunities for you know to send these db blitzes to send free rushers to his backside and potentially create some some fumbles some turnover opportunities just because he doesn't have a very hard time navigating this pressure uh and you do see a quite a drop off in his arm strength when he is dealing with pressure and when he um you know when you are able to get him a little frazzled uh he does tend to throw some floaters some you know, potential turnover-worthy passes. Um, when Max Johnson has a clean pocket and, you know, when he's hitting these slant routes, these out routes, like I mentioned, making quick, confident reads, he's a very good quarterback. But he was the back of the season for a reason. Um, struggles with pressure. Where Haynes King did excel outside the pocket, Johnson does struggle. Um, so there's that. Um, just a, a different skill set. I, I know some mind fans are going to be worried um, given, you know, seeing Johnson's stat line last year, I think he had 27 touchdowns, six picks last season for LSU. He was pretty good, but he does have his weaknesses as a quarterback, and he is exploitable in a lot of different areas, areas of his game. Well, and that's exactly why, um, for everything Luke just said, my first key to the game is pass rush needs to provide constant pressure here because 
that that could be the Achilles heel for Max Johnson and the LSU offense. And listen, we know who needs to step up. Leonard Taylor needs to pick up where he left off last week. Akeem Mesidor is back. I want to see Nigel Lee Kelly build from his first career sack last year. And that rotation is going to keep legs fresh. Just stay in Max Johnson's grill. You know, my second key to the game, Luke, and uh, I've already talked about it a couple times this week. So for people who listen to and watch Locked on Canes, you already know this, but do not take special teams for granted this week. As I know the Canes won't, but as a fan, do not take it for granted, right? And it's not only kick returns, punt returns, coverage, but just the kicking game in itself. I believe Miami has the best punter in the country, okay? Uh, Andy Borigalis has himself a leg, right? Every time this guy kicks off, it's a touchback, which is so important. You take those return opportunities away. Uh, he's looked a lot more confident in his field goal kicking so far this season. Like, this is the type of game, Luke, where – Hidden yards from special teams, right? Like you get a couple of really nice punts after playing the field position game. I know it's not sexy or exciting to talk about, but that can be the difference in winning or losing a game like this. Yeah, I think Miami definitely has the edge when it comes to special teams. Uh, you mentioned Lou Headley, Andy Borgales, um, just two of the best, uh, if not the best, at you know their respective positions. Um, and also, you know, in kick coverage, uh, kick returns, Miami's looked very good so far. In special teams, they have looked very nice. And you can say the same for a team like Texas A&M uh, because, you know, they do have some struggles with kicking uh, kicking field goals. Uh, they, are, they are an explosive team on kickoff returns just because Devon A-Chain uh, is, you know, yeah. one of the fastest players and one of the most explosive players, not only in the SEC, but in the country. But I think Miami does really have an edge there when it comes to special teams. Um you know, one thing that I'm looking for, or one key rather for this game, I think, is that you have to test AM's run defense outside the tackles. Yes. Uh, something that App State did very, very well was mixing in their different blocking schemes and running a lot of outside zone and wide zone and kind of forcing these AM linebackers to, you know, defend horizontally, which created a lot of backside play action opportunities the other way, as I alluded to earlier. Um, if you haven't watched that App State Texas A&M game, please do, because what App State only scored 17 points, but that doesn't tell the tale of the story at all. It was a masterful offensive game plan. And I think Gattis, of course, he's been watching that film. Of course, he's been seeing how to exploit A&M. And you have to take advantage of their undisciplined play style because there's a there's yeah. a lot there's a lot of talent on the defense. I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. A lot of talent on the D line, talent talent the linebackers, and a boatload of talent in the defensive backfield. But they play undisciplined. Uh, they take bad angles at times. They over pursue. They take bad angles, um, and it's just you can exploit it. A team like App State was able to exploit it. And I expect, you know, a team like Miami, a team that is more talented than an App State, um, to exploit it as well. No, I, I think that's perfectly said. And it's why my third key was establish a run. Um, yeah. I thought you made a great point with uh, the outside running game. And, you know, hopefully, but, you, you know, you made a couple of good points that where, you know, I'm, I'm hoping this can be the type of game where Jalen Knighton can take over and break some big plays out of the running game. But I also, like you, 
I expect Thad Franklin to be on the field more than people expect because of his abilities in pass protection. But then, you know, Henry Pitt, Miami really does have a one, two, three punch at running back, right? Especially if, if Rooster really is 100% now, as coach says he is, uh, because Henry Parrish, who knows. Uh, the Aggies defense very well. He, uh, you know, Ole Miss beat them last year and Parrish averaged 6.4 yards per carry against their defense last year. So he's got some positive history against the Texas A&MD. So that's a huge one. And when we come back, we want to take a look at some of the odds for this game. Uh, the line has moved over the last couple of days. I wonder if the, uh, well, I wonder if Xavier Restrepo had anything to do with that. And plus the Texas A&M quarterback switch, because we have seen a half a point of movement, I believe, since yesterday as of looking at the line this morning. And then with how low scoring Texas A&M's game was, was last week, I wonder what to do with this over under. We're going to talk about some of the bet online numbers when we come back. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. Guys, you want to make sure you're checking out Bet Online. They have you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. So I'm taking a look, Luke. Um, Miami was a five and a half point underdog, plus five and a half for most of the week. I check it this morning at Bet Online. It's now at six. Okay. Now, that's good news for Miami fans. Uh, some of you are like, why are they disrespecting us and moving the line? No, if you want to bet on Miami, that's great news because six is a way better number than five and a half because six is a pretty common uh, point differential in a game. So that's the difference between losing your bet or pushing your bet. So uh, so you, you should be happy if you're a Miami fan. You want to bet Miami that they're now six-point underdogs. And full disclosure, Luke, I am very hesitant to bet in games this big that involve my team. But I do think it's going to be really close. I think this game will be one way or the other decided by probably less than six points. What do you think? Yeah, I think that uh, this is going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a one-score game either way. Uh, just given, you know, Texas A&M, struggles they've had in offense, I think it's going to be low scoring. I, I don't expect either team to really push 30 at all. Uh, so, I guess in regards to that over-under, uh, you know, it's 45, by the way, the over-under. 45, okay. 45. I I would probably take the under. Me uh, too. I would take the under. Well, okay, my score prediction, 23-17 Miami. Uh, I, I've gone back and forth in this game uh, quite a bit, uh, but I just see Texas A&M struggles on offense, and I just have a hard time picking them no matter who the quarterback is. Um, but yeah, I mean, you mentioned the line shift from six to, or from five and a half to six for my fans that, you know, want to get in on this, probably the time to do so before there's any last yeah. minute line, line change there, because six is a, a much better or a much uh, safer, I would say, uh, you know, point total or um, spread to, uh, to bet on. And I will say this um, for, for the Miami fans out there who the, you, you think the Canes are going to win the game outright. Uh, the money line is tasty for you. Uh, Miami plus 195. So if you think the Canes are just going to go in there and win the game, forget about the spreads. They go in there and win the game. You know, you'd get 195 bucks uh, back in addition to your bet on a $100 bet. So, um, so that, that that's definitely something to think about. You know, I was looking through, some of the props, Luke. And I think one prop that I found to be very interesting, 
the longest touchdown scored in the game by either team. And that could be, you know, a kick return. It could be a long pass, long run, whatever. The longest touchdown over or under 54 and a half yards. I'm tempted to take the over on this only because there's so much speed on both sides. You feel like somebody might break something, whether it's a chain on the Texas A&M side or, you know, hopefully Jalen Knighton or Smith, Keyshawn Smith or Brashard Smith or Jacoby George, that there's so much speed and talent on both of these teams and uh, very talented receivers at Texas A&M as well, that maybe somebody, even if there's not a whole lot of points scored, maybe there's one big play in the game. Is, is that longest uh, touchdown or longest play? Longest touchdown. Ooh, longest touchdown. Yeah. Uh, when you mentioned that, I, I I just try to picture, I guess, what would be the longest score in my head. Uh, yeah. I would probably take the under on that. Okay. You know, I would probably take the under, but that could change with a quarterback like Max Johnson, who tends to, you know, test defenses more down the field. So we'll see about that. Um, but, yeah, I personally, I would probably go the under. If I were to make a prediction of what the longest play would be, I'll say Van Dyke downfield pass to Keyshawn touchdown, 45 yards. I like that. All right. So, so that would be under, but that'd still be a big play. <laughs> it would I still think, be a very big play. I think Miami fans would enjoy uh, that, type of, that type of play. Well, I think Miami fans uh, will definitely enjoy Luke's work. So make sure you check it out. Allhurricanes.com. That's the Sports Illustrated Miami page and also the Miami Hurricane, the awesome student newspaper there. And, hey, there's student student papers breaking news out there. It happened with Texas A&M. So make sure you keep it locked to that. And follow this man on Twitter at Luke underscore Cheney 4. So thanks again to Bet Online for all the numbers. Bet Online where the game starts. And, guys, make sure you get more on the ACC by making Locked On ACC your second listen every day. Host Candace Cooper and the local experts of Locked On. Like, hey, I'm a local expert now. I'm on the show every Thursdays, which is awesome. We take you across the ACC in 30 minutes. Make Locked On ACC your second listen. Thanks for making us your first. We will talk to you guys tomorrow. We're going to do a uh, a kind of a final pregame before the big game tomorrow. Miami at Texas A&M, 9 p.m. We will talk to you again tomorrow on another episode of Locked On Canes, part of the awesome Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.